This is the 5 o'clock report, 20 minutes of uninterrupted news, commercial free. I'm Jeff Kaplan. KSL's top story. At this point, it's a blustery wind. Tonight, it'll reach gale force overnight, even stronger. KSL News Radio's Heather Peterson is live at the storm desk with the latest. Heather. Well, Jeff, trees are definitely swaying, and my hair is whipping around in the wind here in Bountiful, but it's still pretty mild. Currently, winds are only about 20 miles per hour. But KSL meteorologist Matt Johnson says the worst of it will later tonight. Today is the start of the storm. Uh, we're probably just going to see the winds uh, for most of the state, mainly dry, uh, but gusting over 40 miles an hour across the Wasatch Front. But the West Desert gusting to 60. We could even see a little blowing dust. He says now is a good time to batten down the hatches and bring all outdoor objects inside. Power outages and fallen trees could be an issue if we hit those peak winds. Because of the high gusts expected, UDOT is asking people to drive safely, especially as you're passing large trucks out on the road. Even Amtrak is canceling a few trains for safety reasons. After the wind and snow, we'll see, or after all that wind, we'll see a cold front move in Saturday that's bringing rain and snow about three to six inches along the Wasatch Front. Reporting live, I'm Heather Peterson, KSL News Radio. Yeah, Heather, I hear the wind blowing against your microphone. Blowing snow has sent skiers of Powder Mountain heading to the parking lot. The wind is clocked at 70 miles an hour. They've shut down the mountain through tomorrow. You don't want to be on a chairlift that catches a 70-mile-an-hour gust, right? Palmau might reopen for night skiing tomorrow evening. Solitude and Deer Valley have closed some trails because of the wind. So if, if you're planning to head out tomorrow, you better check ahead. Utah lawmakers have now approved nearly $2 billion in funding for both an MLB stadium and an NHL arena. Lawmakers gave the thumbs up to the arena after last-minute changes today. KSL News Radio's Eric Cabrera is live with the latest. Eric? Jeff, the bill sponsor, Representative John Hawkins, made those changes, tweaking the name of the project from the Capital City Reinvestment Zone to the Revitalization Zone. Also, lines addressing public safety, homelessness mitigation, as well as parking plans and transportation were added in the final moments before voting. What wasn't changed? The framework for an NBA or NHL owner like Ryan Smith, for example, to help come together and revitalize the downtown Salt Lake City experience. So far, signs point to building the $1 billion arena where the Delta Center currently stands. Hawkins referenced the Olympics on the way in 10 years, saying, we want our capital city to be vibrant, a great place for families to enjoy, not only as a city, but as a state. Salt Lake City Mayor and Aaron Mendenhall released a joint statement this morning with Ryan Smith, admitting lots of work ahead and creating an unrivaled experience in the city. Reporting live on the Hill, Eric Cabrera, KSL News Radio. The legislature will consider hundreds of bills between now and midnight. They'll all head to the governor's desk for his final say. So, is he thinking about veto- vetoing any of them? So, not right now and, and this speaks to the relationship i have with the legislature um there are dozens of bills that i would have vetoed but w- we've sat down we've worked on them we've negotiated we we've, we've changed them they they were willing to make changes he told me about a half an hour ago that he might veto a few bills but none came to mind at the moment ksl news time 504 the u.s will begin air dropping aid to gaza Maria Chaleos is live. She's at the KSL National News Desk. Jeff, President Biden announcing the new humanitarian aid to Gaza. He also says the U.S. will continue to search for additional ways to deliver assistance. Aid flowing to Gaza is nowhere nearly enough 
now. It's nowhere nearly enough. The announcement comes a day after more than 100 Palestinians were killed during a chaotic encounter with Israeli troops as they raced to pull goods off an aid convoy. The largest wildfire in Texas history has now consumed one million acres and continues to rage on. Governor Greg Abbott says it's burned a hole in the heart of Texas cattle country and killed at least two people. It's just gone, completely gone. Nothing left but ashes on the ground. Meantime, it's snow plaguing the West Coast today. Yosemite National Park is closed due to the massive snowstorm. We wanted to go to Glacier Point or something like that. We wanted to just uh, see some nature. The closure means visitors from around the world, like Jacek Jansen, are out of luck. And the CDC today issuing new guidelines for those diagnosed with COVID. Instead of being treated like an emergency, it's now being considered more like the flu. The CDC is recommending that those diagnosed with COVID stay home and away from people until at least 24 hours after symptoms get better and there is no fever without medication. Live from the KSL National News Desk, I'm Maria Shaleos, KSL News Radio. KSL News Time 505. First look traffic on the 5 o'clock report. Here's Ricky Mees. I've watched the camera along I-80 in parts of Tooele County, especially by Lake Point, and you can tell the winds are kicking up. And KSL traffic trooper Lawrence saying along I-215 South Belt, we're also seeing winds affecting the drive. You're going to get bumped around a bit. We have a new accident in Davis County, northbound Redwood Road at 1100 North, and crews still working on the crash northbound Legacy in Farmington. Ricky Meese in the KSL. Traffic Center. Thanks, Ricky. KSL News Time 505. We are broadcasting live from the state capitol. We're up on the fourth floor in an ornate wood paneled and occupied uh, committee conference room, I believe. Committee hearing room, maybe? This is a this is a committee room, exactly, where they have committee hearings. Well, it's one of the nicer places we broadcast from. Uh, this is Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson joining us live, just walked into our makeshift studio. Do you have any official responsibilities as they head toward midnight tonight here? Well, I, I uh, am on hand to help uh, mitigate any issues or, or uh, challenges with bills. Um, I do... W- join the governor in greeting the delegations that come down to officially announce that they're done with their business and ready to adjourn. And then I'll accompany the governor to the House and Senate floor afterward, where he will uh, address both chambers. That's the last thing that happens that tonight. Is the last thing. When it's all over. Yep. Meantime, when it is all over, uh, we have caucuses. We have primary night coming up uh, Tuesday, which That's is right. Super Tuesday around That's the right. country, and you are in charge of Utah's elections. Yeah, so it's a little bit confusing for people this year. Um, the Democrats have chosen to have a primary election for the presidential primary, which will happen on Tuesday. Ballots are already out. If, if, if you're a Democrat, you should have gotten one in the mail. Um, and then the Republicans opted to have what's called a presidential preference poll conducted at caucus night on, on March uh, 5th. Now, I, I believe Democrats also are caucus caucusing that night, but but they, you vote for uh, your presidential candidate um, uh, on, on the ballot or at the polling location if you're a Democrat. So Republicans will go to caucus night and they will uh, vote in their preference poll. Do they just jot something down on a pad of paper or pre-parented thing? How does it work it, at these neighborhood you know, caucuses? It's a it's a party function. Uh, the lieutenant governor's office has nothing to do with it. We don't count the ballots. There's no. It's just totally run by by local precincts and and local parties. Uh, so so I really don't know. I'll show up to my uh, caucus on Tuesday night and in we'll your find neighborhood, out. Yeah, right? my neighborhood, and we'll find out what they do. So exactly. this is not yours. It's not. You no. have to worry about November. 
Well, November and all of the things that come in between. So the, the county clerks are running the, the Democratic presidential primary. Um, and then once the party uh, conventions occur uh, by the end of, of April, parties will submit to me their uh, the nominees or, or, or the people who will go on the primary election ballot. Um, and then the primary election is in um, is in June. Uh, and then, the, of course, the November is the, the general election. And um, it's a big year. So you're staying busy, basically, is what you're telling us. Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> there's there's always something to do. Um, really, really busy. We had a lot of uh, election bills that were passed the past couple of years. We did a lot of good reforms um, to just strengthen our, our processes, make our elections more secure. This year, uh, there really hasn't been much Um a few little cleanup things, no, no big changes. Was, wasn't there? This year. Uh, refresh my memory. Was there a bill about mail-in ballots that made it to the floor but might not have gotten anywhere? I don't believe it. Any of those types of bills made it out of committee. So yes, there there were some of those, um, but but uh, you know the, they just didn't make it through the process this year. And so, what's going to happen tonight? Do you have any inkling for any surprises uh, that might be? Co- yeah, that's what everybody <laughs> says. Ah, you know, I I served for eight years in the state senate, so I know how these things work at the end, and it, it's there's always surprises. Uh, but the good news is. Um, you know, it, there's always next year to fix the problems we made this year. Okay, so uh, I guess the big question is, when Utah wakes up tomorrow morning, are they going to, you know, look at the web or hear on the radio what was passed, and they're all going to say, what did they do? Do you think we're going to see that this time? You know, maybe, but I, I think the vast majority of Utahns probably won't be terribly upset by by all of the things that happened this year. There's a lot of bills. There's hundreds of bills that will pass. There might be a few of them that got a lot of attention, maybe a few of them that people don't like. Uh, but I, what I hope that the people of the state of Utah uh, believe is that their legislators do have their best interest at heart. They've got to remember, legislators are elected to represent certain geographic areas. So you're not going to agree with all of the legislators from all over the state. But you have your own legislators that you need to make sure that you have a voice with uh, and that you communicate with. So if you don't know who your legislator is and you're upset about something that happened this legislative session, get involved and have your voice be heard. And, you know, there's also elections this year. So there's lots of different ways to have your voice be heard. Well, I hope you get some sleep tonight. Yeah. You too. I appreciate you coming out here to to this beautiful conference room. Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson, thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. KSL News Time 510. Let's get you home. Traffic and weather together every 10 minutes. We are brought to you by Sinclair's Dino Pay app. Save up to 20 cents a gallon. Here's Ricky Meese. A lighter than normal Friday afternoon drive on your Salt Lake County freeways. We only have delays on I-15, and if you're headed northbound, it's busy and slow in spots from South Salt Lake to downtown, and southbound, the delays go from Murray into Sandy. Josh? On the west side of the valley, things are pretty light, but you've got some delays on Bangor and Mountain View Corridor as you head through West Valley. Down in Utah County, we are seeing some moderate delays southbound on I-15 from Pleasant Grove, breaking up as you get into Linden, and... Also seeing some heavy delays westbound on 21st North in Lehigh. That's right off I-15. Steve. Both directions, 515 on cruise control. This afternoon, full speeds uh, crash-free between downtown Salt Lake and the Brigham City Logan exit. UHP still clearing up a crash on northbound Legacy Parkway in Farmington right around Glover Lane. That's on the left. Looks like the car sitting there in the mud actually came across from the southbound side of Legacy. 
ended up almost in uh, northbound traffic. Light traffic loads at good speeds on I-84 in Weber Canyon and 215's West Belt. Same for Highway 89 in South Weber. Big O Tires is your one-stop shop for tires and service. Now through March 17th, buy three, get one free on select sets of tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Steve Carlson in the KSL Traffic Center. As we head through the 5 o'clock hour, cloudy skies, strong south winds, and temperatures in the low 60s will continue. We're keeping the winds all night long, and that's going to keep temperatures in the 50s all evening. We'll be in the upper 50s for 6 and 7, mid 50s for 8 and 9. A cold front moves in Saturday midday. It's going to bring snow. With your hourly forecast on the 5 o'clock report, I'm Kevin Eubank. And right now, 62 degrees. It's windy, 22 miles an hour out of the south in Salt Lake City. KSL News Time 513, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has vetoed a bill that would have banned the state's minors under age 16 entirely from social media, regardless of parental consent. But he's indicating he would sign a less restrictive law. In vetoing the under-16 social media ban, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said he has concerns about privacy issues and parental rights. But DeSantis appears to be supporting a new proposal that would require parental consent for 14- and 15-year-olds on social media while banning access for younger children. Backers of the bill say they'll cite addictive features of social media should they face legal challenges. Dave Packer, ABC News. Tremonton. Residents heard the chopper blades stirring the air after a child who was hood surfing fell off a car. The boy had to be life-flighted to Primary Children's Hospital, where he's said to have very serious injuries. There's no official word about his name or his condition. Police didn't give an age, but say he is under age 18. An abandoned puppy has found a new home at the Price Police Department. The puppy was brought to police after being found in a cardboard box on the highway just outside of Price and has already been welcomed with open arms. Since he's hanging out at the PD, well, name him Petey. Police Chief Brandon Sicily says they tried to find the owner but had no luck. And since the entire police department has already become attached, he's working toward getting Petey certified as an emotional support and critical incident support dog. Sicily says he's already filling that role kind of a run-in here in our foyer with a complainant. It was just the immediate after after the complainant left that we were able to adapt it with the dog and not be so angry at the end of it all, you know. Britt Johnson, KSL News Radio. KSL News Time 515. The three things you need to know this hour first. Utah schools will soon be able to teach the Ten Commandments and Magna Carta if the governor signs the bill classifying them as historical documents, right alongside the Constitution and the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm KSL News Radio's Alexandria Bonilla. Second, this last day of the session, Utah lawmakers have approved a bill to build a hockey arena in downtown Salt Lake. Third, our biggest traffic trouble spot. We do have crews on the scene of this crash, northbound Legacy Farm, Legacy Parkway in Farmington. Uh, the left lane is blocked to traffic. And also, the crash, northbound Redwood Road. Those vehicles are over to the shoulder, and it's in the cleanup stages at 1100 North in Davis County. Ricky Meese in the KSL Traffic Center. Extra strong winds, mild temperatures, and we've got a storm coming. I'm Kevin Eubank. It's 61 degrees at the KSL Common Spirit Health Studios now. Our top national stories. From ABC News. I'm Daria Albinger. President Biden says the U.S. and its allies will begin airdropping humanitarian aid into Gaza. He says they're also looking for other ways to deliver assistance. We're going to insist that Israel facilitate more trucks and more routes 
to get more and more people the, the help they need. No excuses, because the truth is, aid flowing to Gaza is nowhere nearly enough. Now it's nowhere nearly enough. The first airdrop could come tomorrow. The largest wildfire in Texas history has burned more than a million acres, and it's left at least two dead. If you were asked to evacuate over this next coming week or this coming weekend because of the fire conditions, please have a plan. Know where you're going to go and have your vehicle full of fuel and ready to go. Nib Kidd with the state's Department of Emergency Management. Former President Trump was in a Florida courtroom today for a hearing in the classified documents case. Special counsel Jack Smith proposing a new July trial date, while Mr. Trump's lawyers insist the case should be dismissed. They're claiming presidential immunity, an issue the Supreme Court says it'll decide by the summer. The judge here, Judge Cannon's under a lot of pressure, uh, given how she's been a little political in some of her rulings. So I think she'll be careful to sort of hand Trump another win given how she's been slapped down by the 11th Circuit in prior decisions. ABC News legal contributor Kim Whaley, a key endorsement for the presidential candidate Nikki Haley. Alaska's Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski saying she'd like Nikki Haley to be her party's presidential nominee, saying Haley will be a strong leader and uphold the Republican Party's ideals. That endorsement may be too little too late as Haley heads toward the delegate-rich Super Tuesday primary Mary's next week having yet to win a single contest against frontrunner Donald Trump. ABC's Andy Field in Washington stocks all closed higher today. You're listening to ABC News. And now the KSL In-Depth live from the state capitol and joining us, Democratic Senator Jen Plum. You were deeply involved in banning flavored e-cigarettes. That was voted on this morning and approved by the legislature. Yes, and it was quite a pathway getting there. You know, we had been through Senate committee into the Senate floor, House committee onto the House floor, and then something we call a conference committee when you're still trying to work out the in-between differences between the House and the Senate. So this morning we finally finalized that and in. Uh, we'll be passing it on to the governor's office. Now, I didn't understand what this was about, but sure. uh, somehow along the way, it would seem everybody could get behind no fruity flavored vapes because sure. that attracts children. Yeah. But then there was a big discussion along the way about mint yeah. flavoring. The things you don't know, you don't know, right? And and I stepped into this space. Initially, I'm a pediatrician, and I, I care deeply about the health of our kiddos. I also work in addiction spaces, you know, trying to prevent opioid overdose deaths. And so for me, avoiding a space where our youth become dependent or addicted on nicotine was crucial. And so I started looking at ways, and, and when it became obvious that our kiddos nationwide the age of inception is about 13 years of age for vaping for vaping and nation nationally it's about 80 percent of kiddos prefer flavored utah it's about 72 percent prefer flavored which is all the like fruity and alcohol flavored and then about 20 percent prefer mint and then under that is menthol and tobacco flavor so less than 10 percent prefer those tobacco flavors so i started looking at all right how do we limit that access to the flavored stuff they like and it wasn't about prohibition for me. This was not about making vape illegal or, you know, kind of a total abolition. But it was about how do we make it less likely that kids are going to get access to something they want. And so that was the looking at flavors. Well, it turns out that a couple of years ago, the state passed a law that you could do mint and menthol and tobacco flavored in general retailers. So that's like Mavericks and Top Stops and 7-Elevens, general retailers. Right. But you had to have a special vape shop kind of licensing to sell the other flavors. So that's when you mentioned the mint kind of conundrum. Mint was allowed in general retail spaces. 
and if we were going to pull that out, it was more complicated. I mean, the point is there's a lot of arcane stuff that sure. goes for, into taking a sure. bill and making it law. And, you know, over the course of the legislative session, yeah. we probably focus on about 15 bills, but there are probably 1,500 yeah. that pass. You have some other ones yeah. that never made headlines. Well, and you know, one last thing on the vape bill. For me, the most important piece of it was that if you're going to get difficult legislation passed, you've got to figure out how to get collaboration from folks who maybe originally don't. And I, to me, the thing I'm probably most proud of besides that we passed it was that the retailers came in and said, all right, you know what, we're going to do the right thing. Even the tobacco companies came in and said, all right, we're willing to give up some of these percentage pieces and whatnot. And so, yeah, I would love to tell you about those other bills. But for me, that was my big learning lesson was, you know what, you have got to do collaborative stuff if you're going to do hard policy. Well, especially so. as a member of a super minority, the Democratic Party, exactly. sitting here in the Utah State Legislature. But exactly. you got it done on this one. We did. We did. And, and it took, you know, my co-sponsor or my floor sponsor in the house is of the other party and frankly there's some policies that are not even bipartisan they're nonpartisan. and to me that's what this is this is our kids health this is not partisan this is nonpartisan. so good learning point for me i have a couple i, I actually really loved a bill i ran um, that was on uh, what happens in an eviction uh, so say you're a tenant and you have a pet and you're have an eviction and what happens with that pet how is the process looking like that the animal gets taken in or impounded how is the person notified and before this there was no requirement so say I was evicted I was at work during the time the locks came to be changed uh, the animal control came out to get my animal no one had to tell me where they went so then if you're me and I'm gonna be a, a self-admitted little bit of an animal crazy person it's okay we have space for that here. yes okay good thank you welcoming in my pug mom stuff but um, if I came home and my dog or dogs were gone and I had no idea where they are, I'd start calling the landlords, I'd start calling the shelters, I'd start calling the property managers, I'd, I'd lose my mind. And, and our shelters are busy. That's not a comfortable conversation between the landlord and the tenant. It's already a pretty terrible time. Let's just make this simple. Let's make it so that there has to be a posting of notice. Well, if I'm going to do that, i got to talk to the landlords and the property managers and make sure they're okay with it. And interestingly, they said, you know, we don't necessarily love new requirements, but we do love the idea that you might be able to help us here. And when we call animal control, they have no requirements that they have to come out. And in fact, sometimes they'll say, well, that's not a priority, so there's an animal left in an apartment for a week, or these horrible scenarios. Yeah. So the bill ended up being good for pretty much all parties. We have a notice process now. You have to be notified. They have to respond. Animal control has to respond within 24 hours to a request for a, an animal on an eviction space. And ultimately, that's best for everybody. So another collaborative another effort. Another collaborative effort. That's I, what it takes up here. Well, I appreciate you coming by to yeah. tell us about some of the things that don't make headlines but are good public policy. And hopefully make differences for folks out there.